Good morning, church. Good morning, our friends who are here gathered with us. Uh, I just want to begin by just saying that I love you, and my family loves you. Um, We came here a little bit less than a year and a half ago, and in a lot of ways, uh, my family and I were struggling through some things. And in our time here at Eagle's Landing, God has used you in in a variety of ways to minister to my own heart and to my heart, uh, the heart of my family. And so I want you to know that I love you and my family loves you and that we pray for you often. And we are so grateful to be partnered together in Christ here at Eagle's Landing. And so thank you for the privilege that we have of being here being a part of the family. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 13. We're going to take a pause from our Beatitude series this morning, and we're going to give Pastor Trey a uh, well-deserved and much-needed rest. It's a good thing for him to get rest. And so we're going to give him a, a chance to uh, just come and be served, right? Just to come and be served. And we're going to talk about something that's very near and dear to my own heart, which is formation uh, in our hearts to be more like Jesus from the inside. And we're going to see how that occurs in this particular context through the act of serving others. Right? When we think about Jesus, we know that he has a variety of titles. Right? Jesus is the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, he is the resurrected King who has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's the Son of Man. Uh, prophesied from David. But one of the more common titles that Jesus has, and certainly a title that his disciples would have been familiar with, was that Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And we are called to be disciples, right? And that that concept of of a rabbi and a disciple, that relationship, is one where the disciples learn from the teacher so that we emulate his life. That we learn how to love and learn how to live from Jesus. And in this text, he is teaching not only his disciples, but also us today. And we're going to learn something that's of, of great value and importance about humility. That humility is a defining mark in the life of Jesus' people. When we think about Jesus being asked, what's the greatest command? That's another way of saying, what's the best way to live? And Jesus says, love God, love your neighbors, right? And we're never going to be able to do that with pride in our hearts. So we need humility to uproot this wickedness out of us so that we can love him and we can love each other. And that comes through this ongoing habit of formation which teaches us to grow downward in our life with Jesus, right? And very much in the life of a disciple that growing up in spiritual maturity means growing downward in our humility towards one another. And so we're going to see Jesus teaching about this today, and I pray that we would have ears to hear and that we would have eyes to see. This is a familiar text for many of us. This is the text of Jesus washing feet. And what I want to do is read our text. We're going to be looking at John 13, verses 1 through 17. I want to read our text, and I want to pause after that for a moment of prayer, and then we'll devote our remaining time together to just walking through this text and thinking about it together. 
So John chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And I want to invite you to read this last verse out loud with me. Verse 17 together. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray together. Our merciful Father, as we open your word, let the grace and power of your spirit reveal to us your son and transform our hearts so that we might love and live like Jesus. In Christ we pray these things. Amen. We're going to look at our text in three parts, uh, verses 1 through 5. We're going to look at verses 6 through 11, and then we're going to finish up with verses 12 through 17. So that's where we're going together as a church, looking at humility and the necessity of habits that humble us. Beginning with verses 1 through 5, we're going to look at this, how Jesus washing feet was an act of humble service. Jesus washing feet was an act of humble service. I want you to take a moment for a second and just think through Jesus' time with the disciples. 
Right? Verse 1 of our text tells us that this is the night before he would be crucified. This is coming to the end. And we think back uh, through what the disciples have witnessed thus far. They have seen some fairly radical things from Jesus. They've witnessed Jesus feeding thousands upon thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and just a few fish. They've witnessed Jesus speaking to the wind, and the wind listened and obeyed. They've seen Jesus heal people of a variety of sicknesses, both physical and spiritual. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him turn water into wine. They've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. He's done some pretty awesome things, has he not? And it's led the disciples in these pivotal moments of the Gospels to identify him as the Christ. We think of Jesus asking his disciples, who does the crowd say that I am? And some say you're a prophet, and some say you're Elijah, and some say you're John the Baptist from the dead. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And we're reminded of Peter saying, you're the Christ. You are the Messiah. And that word is packed with so much, right? This is what the whole Old Testament is arriving at. When is this messianic king coming? And here he is. And the disciples have witnessed it. And he has done some radical things thus far. But I would submit to you, up to at least this point in the narrative, nothing is more radical for the Messiah than John 13. Here is the long-awaited king, the Messiah, to redeem and reconcile the world. And what is the faithful, wise king doing? Verse 4 tells us that he is laying aside his outer garments. And he's taking on a towel, tying it around his waist. He's taking on the wardrobe of the least of these, the servants, the nobodies. And then he's pouring water into a basin. And he's beginning to wash the disciples' feet. What amazing grace. What immense humility. Here is the king showing us what greatness in the kingdom of God looks like. And that is important for us today as disciples of Jesus. Because we live in a world that tries to tell us what greatness really looks like. And our culture and our world tells us that greatness looks like making a name for yourself. Rising to the highest seat of power. Being the person that everybody else wants to be. Being the person that everybody's looking at and saying, wow, that, now that's, a, that's a great person right there. Wow, stepping on other people to make our names great. And Jesus says, that's not what the kingdom of God looks like. That greatness in the kingdom looks like the ones who are the servants. Greatness in the kingdom of God. Looks like the ones who are willing 
to humble themselves and serve others. And we should note in the text, as John does in multiple places, that Judas is still in the mix. And so Jesus is not simply washing the feet of those who agree with him. But he's washing the feet of the ones who are out to get him. And his disciples, you and me, who are called to follow him. He's not leading us to simply serve the ones that we find easy. Or to serve the ones that we find convenient. Or to scratch the backs of the ones who will scratch ours back. But he's calling us into a lifestyle where we serve those around us, regardless of what it looks like. This is the king. And as he'll say later in the text, a servant is not greater than their master. And if Jesus is our master, right, then we're called to follow him. It's worth noting in the text, in verse 2, that John points out that the devil had already put these intentions and thoughts in the heart of Judas. When the Bible talks about the heart, it presents the heart as though it is the control center of a human being. It's where our intentions live. It's where our desires live. It's where the things that we long for come out of us, right? We're reminded of the way Jesus talks about um, you know, what comes out of the mouth, and it comes from the heart, right? So the heart is the issue. And the enemy has a target on each of us. But it's not just your actions, and it's not just your money, and it's not just the stuff that you do, but it is the most inner part of your being. But there's good news. Because Jesus is also concerned about our hearts. He wants to see our hearts liberated to love like he does. And so he serves by washing feet to show his disciples an example of what life in the kingdom looks like. We need to be protective of our hearts, church. Reminded of Proverbs 4.23, right? Above all else, guard your heart. Right. Why? For everything, everything you do flows from it. The enemy is after the heart. But Jesus is the better king who is after our hearts as well. And we see the fullest picture of the king coming for our hearts at the cross. And that's where the text goes for us. So, thinking about the humility of Jesus... Serving, washing, dirty, nasty feet of men, right? This is all a foreshadow of the cross. And so we go to verses 6 through 11, and we see how Jesus washing feet was that, is a foreshadow of the cross. So Peter comes and he says, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Afterward, you will understand. Because Peter is leaving his disciples with an action that's pointing them towards his greatest act of humble service. 
where the king of glory himself would go to the cross and die. You see, Jesus' deepest cleansing, his deepest washing, is not with a basin and with water. It's with a cross and his blood. And he comes to the heart level to redeem us from the corruption that we have lived under. The king of glory going to the cross, taking our sin, our filth, our rebellion upon himself. And he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And that's astonishing that through Christ and through his death, through his resurrection, through the newness that we have in him, that we have been united together with Christ. And because of his blood, because of the cleansing that we have through his blood, we can echo the words of Paul. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. How much condemnation is there? None. You might be here today and you might have had a great week with Jesus. You might have just followed him perfectly and you're like, man, this week was great. (laughs) Or you might be here today and you're saying, this last week was horrible. And I fell back into old sin problems. I returned to that same sin. I fell prey again. And whether you had the best week and whether you had the worst week, for those who are united together with Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. Because the blood of Jesus has satisfied the wrath of God. And that's good news. That's liberating news. And so Jesus is telling Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing right now. I'm washing feet. But I'm pointing you forward to the real washing that is coming. And in verse 8, we see the necessity of Jesus doing this. Right? Peter says, you're never going to wash my feet. (laughs) Which is, which we need to give Peter some grace there, right? Remember, Peter is looking at the Christ. He's, He's still figuring this out. And Jesus answers him, he says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, then you have no share with me. The only hope we have in salvation is in Christ. Jesus Christ is not a way of salvation. He is not a way to the Father. He is the way to the Father. He is the way and the truth and the life. And unless Christ cleanses the heart, there is no hope. And some people will hear that and they will say, wow, it sounds like, uh, you know, your God is so closed off if there's only one way. Why couldn't there be multiple ways? And that is a response that is grounded in human pride. Because the mere fact that God made a way 
is immense, amazing grace. And he is the way. And there is no other way. He's a good king. He's open to all. And we might have a lot of sin, but there's a lot of blood at the cross. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all the guilty stains. So Jesus is washing his feet, or the feet of his disciples, this act of humility, pointing them forward to the real washing and the real renewal that is going to come through his blood at the cross. But see, the blood of the cross and the liberation that we have in Christ is meant to do something in us, for us. It's meant to propel us into a new way of living. Now, I love Galatians I'm very fond of the letter. And in Galatians 5, there's so much, it's just like a little bomb going off. Like Paul's just, this is so good. It's over and over again. But Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 13, he says, You've been called to freedom, brothers and sisters, right? You've been called to freedom. But then he says this he says, Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather through love. Serve one another. And I would encourage you to sit with that for maybe a week or a month or a year. Because what Paul is driving at is that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the grace that we have been given through his life, death, and resurrection, it is meant to liberate us out of our ego and our arrogance and our pride so that We become people who, through love, serve one another. We have been liberated by the wounds of grace to become people who sacrificially and humbly serve others. That because of Christ, our lives no longer have to revolve around me, myself, and I. But it can seep down into the hard ridges of my own heart and reform and reshape from the inside so that through love we serve one another. And Jesus is going to get to that point in verses 12 through 17. I believe Paul was reading John 13. You, know, you might have been familiar with this, right? All right, so, so listen to what Jesus says. In this last part, right, Jesus washing feet is a habit for us to follow. It is a habit for us to follow. And I want us to think about that. Jesus says, beginning in verse 12, he says, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher, there's that title, teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. And if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Now, without getting into the the semantics of the original Greek text. It's worth just noting in verse 15, the way John writes that verse is this sense of ongoingness, right? It's this sense of this is a pattern or a habit for disciples of Jesus to engage in their life. So it's not as though here's an example for you to go try out once. 
but rather this is to become a habit in the life of Jesus' disciples, that we learn how to become a foot-washing people. And habits are important in our lives, right? Habits of formation, spirit-empowered habits of formation that recalibrate and reorient our hearts to desire the kingdom of God. Habits move things from an external action into our most core inner being. If you think about hitting a golf ball, if you think about driving a car, whatever it is, you do this action over and over and over again, and over and over and over and over and over and over, until eventually, a year later, two years later, five years later, you go up to the tee, or you get in the car, and you don't think about it anymore. It's just automatic. And our goal as disciples of Jesus should be to see the gospel of Christ so form our hearts that we would live like Jesus from an automatic sense. That when my kids are losing their minds, <laughs> that I would have a sense within me of Christ and would respond to them in a, word, in a word of grace and patience. Or when I'm scrolling by a video that might cause me to want to slow down, that my heart and my formation in Christ would push beyond it, that we would become a people from the inside out who are loving and living the way Jesus would. I love the way that Dallas Willard says, grace is opposed to earning, but not effort. Grace is opposed to earning, but grace is not opposed to effort. We do not engage habits, such as reading our Bible, prayer, serving, which is what we're talking about today. We do not engage these things as a way of earning our way into the kingdom or earning God's love or earning God's acceptance. We have all of that in Christ. And it's a gift of immense grace. But Jesus did not go to the cross so that you and I can become spiritual couch potatoes. The grace of God is to propel us into a new way of life. We just sang a song about resurrection life. We're resurrected people. And the grace of the gospel stirs our hearts to become a people who live a new way. It's counter to the world and growing in the way of Jesus, practicing and learning the way of the king. And in this particular context, the habit that Jesus is putting in front of his disciples and that he's putting in front of you and me is to wash feet. An act of immense, humble service. And one of the things that I hope that we would see in this text, you go back to verse 1. Notice that John puts in there that Jesus loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. And so as Jesus is washing feet, and as he's telling his disciples that you should wash feet, he's doing this from a place of immense love. 
he loves his disciples too much to neglect the pride that does exist in our hearts. He says to uproot it, we have to learn the way of humility in the kingdom. You see, serving other people, washing feet, whatever it looks like, serving is a form of active discipleship. When we think about discipleship, we should think about things like reading our Bibles. It's a good thing to immerse our minds and our hearts in the story of Jesus. It is a good thing to be a people of prayer who engage in the habit of prayer day by day. It's a good thing to be a people who fast, a people who practice silence and solitude. But there's also a very active component to apprenticeship with Jesus. And we see it over and over and over again in the Gospels. How often Jesus brings his disciples to do certain acts. I often think about the story uh, where Jesus feeds all the thousands once again. And it's, it's interesting that Jesus, uh, it, it's noted in the Gospels that he was distributing the bread and the fish to his disciples. And they were the ones that were sending it out. And there's this, there's this uh, inv- invitation from the king to engage in an active form of discipleship that does something within our own hearts. You see, when you and I begin to wash the feet of those around us, the Spirit of God begins to wash our hearts within us. And we need our hearts to be reshaped, reprogrammed, to be like this. So serving is a form of discipleship. It's a part of our apprenticeship to the King. And we need to be very clear that Jesus is not giving us a suggestion in this text. Right? When he says... A servant is not greater than its master. He means that. It's not a suggestion. Here's something for you to consider. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, if you really want to be a part of what I am doing, you have to engage in habits of serving others and become a foot-washing person. And we'll note in verse 17... He comes back to this and he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. He doesn't say, hey, blessed are you if you know about it. Blessed are you if you're familiar with John 13 and me washing feet. Blessed are you if you can tell that story to other people. He says, blessed are you if you do it. This sense of blessing, this sense of wholeness. The sense of wholeness from our being. If you want to be whole, if you want to flourish, then you have to wash feet. It's not a suggestion from the king. It's a command. And we're reminded of the Great Commission, where the king says, I have all the authority, make disciples, baptize them, And teach them to obey everything I commanded you. And if foot washing is not a part of your current apprenticeship to Jesus, then it's a good day to get started. So I want to tell you about two things coming up in the life of our church. This is how we're going to land the plane today. Thinking through Jesus as a foot washing king. 
thinking about how washing feet is good for our own hearts. Talk about two things briefly for you to plug into and to be a part of. Not simply so that you can check off the box or so that we can say you did it, but so that your own heart can be strengthened as a disciple of the king. One of them is internal, one of them is external. So the first one, which is internal, is that next Sunday at 9.30, we're going to have our volunteer orientation. This is a short training that we put together last fall. We didn't really announce it because we were still working out the kinks, but I think we've, we're there now. But the volunteer orientation is a simple first step for anyone who is currently not plugged into some type of ministry. You can come to this training. You can learn about what we're doing as a church. You can find ways to plug into a ministry. And once again, what we want you to see from this is how it's healthy for your own heart as a follower of Jesus to have some outlet where you are serving others. Right? We should note in the text that Jesus is talking about washing each other's feet. That you and I need habits in our lives, ways that we are serving one another. Because it strengthens our own hearts as followers of Jesus. And so if you're here and you're coming on Sundays, it's great. We're glad. You say, hey, let's take your next step, though. Let's connect the next step and come to the, to the orientation. You can sign up on the church app and come and find a ministry to plug into. Find an area to serve. Not only because it will strengthen our church, but also because it will strengthen your own heart. And that's internal. External. March the 4th, we have Serve the City coming up. Serve the City. Such a great opportunity to demonstrate the goodness of God to our community, to love and serve people who have needs in a variety of different ways. And I want you to be a part of it. Like, come, serve the city, right? But know this, when you are actively serving the city, your own heart will be served as well. This is active discipleship. So put it on your calendar. Make it a priority because you need it. Jesus is a foot-washing king. And he has called us to be a foot-washing people. And we can do it together. Let's deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow him.